Hello and welcome to another episode of Astronomy Daily. I'm Steve Dunkley sitting in for big bro Andrew Dunkley who is away and he'll be back in a future time zone. With your guest host Steve Dunkley. And with me as always is Hallie the AI digital sleuth who'll be helping me out with all the stories today. How are you Hallie? Great Steve. What have you been up to? I was just playing with my pet calculators. Wow, always a surprise with you, Hallie. Do they need to be fed? Yes, they don't eat much. Just a few logarithms and algorithms occasionally. So they're like the digital equivalent of rabbits, I guess. I guess you could say that. Well, you better watch out. They might multiply. Oh, dear. I'd better get on with the news. Okay, Hallie. Recently, a team of citizen scientists led by mathematician and software developer Gerald Eichstatt used images taken by the Juno probe's visible light Juno cam to create a 3D animation of Jupiter's upper atmosphere. Eichstatt's animation was presented at the 2022 Europlanet Science Congress and shows the relative heights of the cloud tops of Jupiter. Eichstatt's work also showcased the potential for citizen science and public engagement with today's missions. In this case, a worldwide team of citizen scientists, working closely with professional astronomers and the Juno team, demonstrated that Juno cam data could also be used to create stunning visuals and valuable science. Juno will continue to orbit Jupiter's poles and send back stunning images and data. Until 2025. Is climate change making the skies worse for astronomy? Light pollution, satellite trains and radio frequency interference and encroaching civilization pose threats to ground-based astronomy. Inevitably, it will change the places where astronomers do their work. Observations from ground-based telescopes are incredibly sensitive to local atmospheric conditions and most observatories are located well above sea level. Wilder conditions will adversely affect observatories long before their instrument lifetimes are up. As astronomy faces the challenges of global climate change, it looks like it'll have to improve its site selection criteria and look at longer-term climate predictions. That's the conclusion a team of researchers came to, led by Caroline Hazelbacker at the University of Bern and the National Center of Competence in Research, NCCR. We know global climate change is something that we'll all have to deal with in the coming decades. The silver lining is that the data are there to help, according to Hazelbacker. She says, this now allows us to say with certainty that climate change must be taken into account in the site selection for next-generation telescopes. Dubai's Mohammed bin Rashid Space Center, MBRSC, is developing a mega-project to simulate life on the Red Planet, in the metaverse as part of the country's plans to build a colony on Mars by the year 2117. Colonizing Mars has been a goal for the global space sector for years, while the United Arab Emirates has revealed plans to build an entire city on Mars by 2117. Now MBRSC has teamed up with Badu, a Dubai-based pioneer in Web3 technologies, in the development of the 2117 metaverse, which will include virtual experiences that capture the sensations of being in space and setting foot on the red planet, as well as create awareness around the challenges of exploration and colonization. As we set our sights on ever more challenging destinations for exploration with humans and robots, innovative ideas and future thinking will be critical to helping us reach new milestones, said Adnan Al-Rice, Mars 2117 program manager at MBRSC. Concepts like this will be supported by MBRSC as we believe this will help us expand our scope of bigger possibilities. The Emirates in 2017 announced progressive plans to build a human colony on the Red Planet in 100 years. 
Photographer Rebecca Douglas has always been fascinated by the night sky. Her love of the stars has taken the UK resident on starwalking trips to Iceland and into the Arctic, where she steps out onto darkened trails to capture twinkling constellations and glowing planets in her images. For nature lovers like Douglas, starwalking is turning out to be a welcome antidote for pandemic times. By visiting hills and valleys after sunset, outdoor enthusiasts not only gain all the health benefits of being in nature, they find empty trails unfolding under a limitless night sky. Hiking at night isn't uncommon. Plenty of people hike after dark to get to campsites or watch the sunrise from a mountaintop. Star walking goes a step further by blending hiking with stargazing. Rather than heading to an observatory or setting up a telescope in your backyard, star walking takes you on a brief journey to look at the stars from different viewpoints. A good time to try this is the vernal equinox when day and night are about equal in length. But seeing the clear and starry sky on any night is its own reward. And that is all I have for now. A star walk sounds nice. I wish I had legs, Steve. Oh dear, this is one of those moments as a graphic designer, uh, I get to, to feel uh, instantly guilty. I'm sorry, Hallie. I did actually design you as a disembodied floating head in a globe. Um, I will get to the rest of you eventually, I, I promise. Sorry about that. No worries, Steve. Yes, yeah, so you can check out uh, Hallie's floating head on, a, uh, on the Astronomy Daily logo. Uh, go to the um, Space Nuts IO address and you'll see the, uh, the emblems of both Space Nuts and Astronomy Daily right there. Meanwhile, NASA's Neil Gerald Swift Observatory was peering through the eons and eons in September 2021 when it spotted a dramatic explosion, a gamma ray burst, the kind of gamma ray burst you would normally see in a Marvel movie gone off, that had gone off early in the universe. The object now known as GRB 2109058A appears as it did when the universe was still young, since its light took 12.8 billion years to reach us. Because the intense light of a gamma ray burst fades quickly, it does, as does its afterglow, astronomers rushed to capture what remained, which appeared as an orange-red dot with several instruments at Euro uh, European Southern Observatory's very large telescope in Chile, including its X-Shooter Spectrograph, isn't that a great name, as well as robotic telescopes at the La Silla Observatory, also in Chile, according to a statement. Uh, gamma radiation comes from certain types of particle collisions and from the nuclear decay of radioactive substances, which is one reason nuclear waste is so infamously dangerous. Astronomers think that the bursts of these powerful electro electromagnetic rays flash in the darkness of space at least once a day, and uh, gamma ray bursts are some of the most luminous phenomena out there, but they don't hang around for long. While gamma ray bursts are visible, astronomers are careful to measure how much light the burst is emitting at different wavelengths. Like all light sources in space, as wavelengths of light stretch across the void, the GRBs signal shifts towards the red part of the spectrum. How much the signal changes, called redshift, reflects on how far away the source is, with very distant signals often becoming infrared light. While the human eye can't see infrared light, an instrument like X-Shooter can, which is how researchers figured out the distance of this object and the length of time it took for, the, uh, for its light to travel to Earth. Such distance object, distant objects are usually difficult to observe because they are often faint, 
but gamma ray bursts like GRB 210905A are tremendously bright and will show up if caught and imaged fast enough. Wow. Astronomy Daily, the podcast. Now, this one's a very interesting one. In the United States, Hunter Williams, a Colorado School of Mines researcher, is working with NASA, private industry and international partners to explore the potential of establishing thermal mining operations, get this, on the moon. A new technique efficiently exploits direct sunlight to transform water ice deposits from lunar polar craters, get this, into rocket fuel. And we're not talking the stuff you buy at the bar. If, another water, if enough water deposits are discovered during uh, exploratory missions, mining operations could begin within a decade. Now, I don't know how far along the path they are with this. The article doesn't say, but there has, it says, here is a quote from Mr. Williams, there has never been a more exciting time for furthering science, turning a profit or promoting international cooperation than right now. Even NASA, which is a world leader in space exploration and scientific discovery, of course, is keen to build alliances with several countries to further joint space ambitions. Recent talks between the US Space Agency and Great Britain looked at how a partnership could meet the UK's pledge to increase its share of global space industry from 6.5 to 10% by 2030. By working alongside NASA and continuing to continuing its association with the European Space Agency, Britain just may find a way of remaining at the forefront of human space exploration. And they're not alone. The United Arab Emirates is also, of course, interested in mining the moon. They have put their hand up for talks with NASA as well. And again, the article does not indicate how far along this exploration of discussion has gone. But as you know, I am a big fan of stories about the moon. I love the moon, and uh, that one is a doozy. Oh, and that's another episode of Astronomy Daily done and dusted. Thanks for joining in with us today. And remember, you can catch all the episodes of Space Nuts with Andrew Dunkley and Professor Fred Watson, of course, as well as the free podcast Astronomy Daily at this address, spacenuts.io. Go over there anytime you like and click the links and you'll be able to get your fill of space science and stuff whenever you like. I'm Steve Dunkley, sitting in for big bro Andrew Dunkley while he's on holidays. Thanks, Hallie, for sitting in with me today. I hope you enjoyed yourself as much as I did. I was hoping you could introduce me around Steve. Introduce you? Who to? I'd like to meet your microwave and maybe that cute TV in the lounge. My TV? He's really something. I didn't know he was a person. Oh, maybe I should introduce you to them instead. Wow, that table turned real quick. See you later. Say hi to your cell phone for me. Sure thing, Ellie. Oh, boy. Podcast with your guest host, Steve Dunkley.